You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, see? We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time, bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. My guest today is Dan Barker. And uh, if you aren't familiar with his name, uh, it's probably because uh, he's not on a lot of, well, maybe you are on a lot of Christian radio stations. I don't know. Is that true or no? A couple times a year. Yeah, a couple yeah. And times television. a year. Okay. Dan is uh, the president of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. His most recent book came out about a year ago, uh, God, the Most Unpleasant Character in All Fiction. And uh, he, he, I asked him to come on the show. He happened to be in town here in Southern California uh, speaking at an uh, uh, atheist group about separation of church and state and so forth. And uh, I love to expose my audience and listeners to uh, viewpoints that aren't the same as mine all the time. I think that's healthy and good. And uh, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? So um, I think that uh, it's good for us to think uh, clearly about the issues. And it's hard to do that if you're in a bubble and you can't think clearly. And uh, you're in a perfect position to be able to share with our audience a different perspective because you actually come from a Christian background. I was an ordained Christian minister. I preached for 19 years. And loved it and believed it and felt it and dedicated my life to Christ. And gradually, over four or five years, became an atheist. Okay, now, so so give us, take us all the way back to the beginning. Were your mother and father Christian? Yes. They were, okay. Yeah, and we were raised in the church, uh, evangelical, Bible-believing, preaching Christians. We used to go house-to-house witnessing, and uh, we had a musical group that performed in churches, and we were waiting for the second coming, you know, that whole thing. We sure, were just totally sure. into it. Now, what denomination was that? Well, we were uh, Nazarene for a while. Okay. But then my folks branched out into a charismatic movement. So, uh, And for a little while, the Assemblies of God, which I thought were really sweet and sincere people, but yeah. a bit kind of noisy for my taste, if you know what I mean. Okay. Uh, there's all different types of... <laughs> I went to an Assembly of God church when I was a kid, too. Yeah. Um, they they must have been on the more conservative side. They weren't as uh, noisy as uh, I've heard some of the churches. Well, you know, that's fun. And it's a great slice of America to see how that those people live. They're, they really are. Most of them are really sweet people and good sure. people. and uh, But they were there basically primarily, you know, in my experience, they were there basically to worship, not really to learn. They were just going to raise their hands and, and be with Jesus and, you know, get the feelings and all that, which is, which is a good part of the Christian experience. Sure. It's one good part of it. So... Building the community and the church on Sundays and that sort of thing. And so I, um, I felt all of that. You know, I used to preach that you don't need the feelings. It's, you're saved by faith. But in addition to that, I had all the feelings and the goosebumps and the tears and the talking with Jesus and all of that. that yeah. You know, that some people wish they had. Sure. Because a lot of Christians sit in church and they wonder, well, what's everybody feeling? Because I'm not feeling this. Yeah. Well, you don't need to feel it to know you're saved. But still, it was some of us are just that way. I happen to be on the end of the bell curve where... I fall just short of hearing voices. You know what I mean? I'm that, I'm that kind of a person. Other sure. Christians have different personalities, but yeah. uh, but I loved it, and I thought Jesus was coming soon. He was my friend. He was my Lord, and I preached it, and I you know, and I read. I preached from every book of the of the Bible. Now you're the oldest of three brothers, is that right? I have a younger brother, Tom. He's uh, he lives here in Southern California. Okay, and he's uh, still a born again. He's a really good man, a retired uh, high school principal, and we get along fine. We just don't talk much about religion and politics, but we we love each other. We you know we have so a, you so you you disagree with uh, did you did you support Trump being elected? Well, um, our group is not political. Okay, and okay. we have people, we have voters in our organization on all sides. So I'm not going to talk about political. Okay, things, okay. <laughs> but I will say that uh, whenever it comes to um, religion influencing policy or that, we we do speak out and we oppose. In fact, we sent some questions to the the hearings over Jeff Sessions and uh, sure. Betsy DeVos and, you know, for, for those things. So 
uh, asking if they would be able to set aside their personal religious views when mm. doing their public job. At, yeah, because it's an important question. Now, that's and that's a that's a question that um, I, we probably have disagreements on that because I do have a lot of political uh, people on the show talking about different stuff. And uh, that'd be something I'd love to talk about. I don't know if we're going to get to it in today's show. Well, today's probably not enough. Yeah, time, but yeah. Uh, and it's not really the focus of what we do. We work, the Freedom from Religion Foundation works primarily to keep state and church separate and then to educate the public about the views of nonbelievers. W- who are we? What you know, with this fastest growing segment of the American population, the, sure. the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, we do both of those things. We take legal action. We have cases in the courts. Uh, we try to stop. Now, do you abuses. work with the ACLU? We do sometimes, yeah. Okay. We partner with them quite a bit. We've taken some joint lawsuits together. Now, are there any areas where the Freedom From Religion uh, Foundation um, has points of contention with the ACLU where you disagree on things? Well, the ACLU has points of contention with itself. Some of their state groups you know, work on opposite sides of cases, so there's no total uniformity on state church issues. And sometimes there is some kind of gray areas where we will take a different position. Sometimes the ACLU will tend to settle too quickly, in our opinion. We tend to be more purist. Okay. But in general, we get along very well with ACLU and Americans United for Separation of Church and State and other groups that are doing the same thing. Uh, we, we write co-amicus briefs. We sign on to briefs sure, together. We sure. Our attorneys confer with each other. So there's a very collegial... It's kind of like in Christian denominations. Yeah. There's diff- areas of disagreement, but there's a whole lot of overlap where the, you can come together on issues. Sure, sure. Well, we can talk more about that. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, my guest is Dan Barker, and he is the president from of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, and they've been in existence a long time. Uh, his wife is the founder, and uh, he recently became co-president. And uh, Dan, back to your story, how you were saying you grew up, you, you, you were actually a preacher. I know I've read your biography. You were even a missionary uh, down in Mexico for a while. So take us through the what happened, where you began to have doubts, and how you eventually decided to become an atheist. Well, I used to preach, and I think most ministers do preach that doubt is okay. We all have doubts, right? Sure. So, uh, help thou mine unbelief, right? So, and that's the whole point of faith. If 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 you had one hundred percent absolute knowledge, you wouldn't need faith. Of course, faith is what you use when you don't have certainty. So, um, um, and I was a total believer, but it wasn't so much that I initially had doubts. Is that when some of my Christian music was being published, I was invited to speak and perform at churches that were not quite as extreme evangelical as I was. I, I got in touch with pastors of a more moderate and even a more liberal mm. frame. And I started talking. I, I saw that Christianity is not just one monolithic thing. It's sure. a huge cross-section. There are many Christianities within Christianity. Sure, and, there's and, a lot of people with different views on a lot of different things. Yeah, and each one thinks they're right, right? Sure. And they can prove it to you with the Bible sure. that they've got the right way. Yeah. And so I was shocked when I started meeting some of these ministers who were not quite as evangelical as me saying that they had members of their congregation, for example, who didn't think Adam and Eve were actual people. Mm-hmm. They thought Adam and Eve was just a metaphor. And sure. I thought, well, how can you, how can you let them be members? You yeah. know, I mean, the, yeah. the Bible doesn't, you know, where Jesus said, uh, talked about the uh, parable of the prodigal son or the good Samaritan, uh, he or whoever wrote that never intended for the readers or listeners to think there actually was a historical prodigal son. It was a moral tale. Sure. And if Jesus can make up stories, which is fine, we make up stories all the parables. time. Parables. He used parables to teach all the yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the people in this church that I went to, they thought that early Israelites did the same thing with Adam and Eve. There really wasn't a real Adam and Eve, but it was one of these parables. And if you look up the word fable in the dictionary, you see it's a moral tale that involves talking animals, right? Yeah. Now, I just want to clarify for our listeners, because I don't want them to freak out and because they know my perspective at the same time here. So um, so the, the distinguishing factor there would be that for a person like myself, I would say Adam and Eve aren't a parable because uh, it doesn't state that they're parable. On the other hand, where the prodigal situation, we'd look at it and we'd say, oh yeah, Jesus is using that as a teaching opportunity. Um, so... So for those of you who are listening, uh, you know, Dan is, has a different view than me. So Yeah, but I agreed with you at the time. And uh, yeah, I was okay. shocked. Yeah. I was shocked to hear yeah. that people had that view. You know sure, what I mean? I'm sure. thinking, wait a minute. Yeah. How can they even be Christians if they, if they can play that loose with what the scripture says, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they even said, uh, this one pastor of an American Baptist church said, well, you know, uh, with evolution, we now know there could not have been a first Adam and a first Eve. And even if there were, they would have come out of Africa, not the Middle East, because uh-huh. now what we know about it. But so, so it, it was pointed to being more likely a parable. The early Israelites were telling the story. They, they didn't even think their readers would take it seriously, just like Jesus didn't think 
people would actually think there was a prodigal son with an address and a social security number. That's was, what people were saying to you. Yeah, that's okay. what they were saying to me. So okay. that in those early questions, they were not really doubts. It wasn't like I was doubting my faith. It was like, oh, wow, look, there's other points of view within Christianity. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So the, the decision I had to make back then was not whether to jettison Adam and Eve, because I believed firmly, like you, that the Bible doesn't lie. Okay. And even though Jesus didn't say there was no prodigal son, we understood that the parable was a teaching tool, right? Okay. Yeah, and even even though the book of Genesis doesn't say Adam and Eve are a, a parable, it, it, the Israelites were using it as a teaching tool. Okay. You know, the, you know. so... My- uh, my guest today is Dan Barker. I'm going to cut him off here for a second. We're going we're to come up on a break here, and we're going to continue this story of how he went from uh, a minister who was teaching the Word of God to today. He is actually an atheist, and he's the president of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. We're going to be right back. Very interesting story. Stay with us. Uh, we will uh, be right back. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family-owned, Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Main and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donate2efl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donate2efl.org. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast my cares on you, you're the anchor of my hope, the only one who's in control. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. If you, ha- if you didn't get the first segment, you can pick up a recording of the show on my website, we're also uh, doing the normal here. We're on YouTube. Uh, wave to the camera, Dan. There it is. Okay. And uh, and so we'd love to have you uh, check out our YouTube channel, check out Facebook, all these sorts of things. My guest, Dan Barker, um, is the president of Freedom From Religion Foundation. They're well-known around the country. Um, they're very much involved in litigation and so forth. Their website's ffrf.org. And uh, their their viewpoint is that... And correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, is that religion should be uh, mainly a, a private and personal issue that's re- that's within the church, um, in the church building, but not something that affects public policy or uh, other things. Is that correct or am I off there? Well, that uh, the government should be neutral. 
Okay. Our government should be secular. Of course, Christians can serve in the government and they can bring their views with them. And voters can vote for candidates that they think reflect their views. So, sure. But we have a constitution and we have a secular government that is completely godless, by the way. And at the Constitutional Convention, there was no formal prayer. I mean, it was all set up so that all of us, believers or non-believers, or whatever your religious views are, we are free to have religious freedom as long as the government stays neutral. So okay. we're yeah. not opposed to free yeah. speech or, or freedom of religion, but we are opposed to the government itself yeah. taking a position for or against uh, religion. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, um, for those of you who are just tuning in, um, you know my show. Um, he has an opposing viewpoint to me. There's a lot of things he just stated there that I would take issue with, and we'd have to kind of parse apart. Um, uh, I, I believe it quite a bit differently than he does, but uh, hey, this is a great opportunity to talk and, and uh, see how people think and, and what they feel. So Dan, picking up from our last segment, um, yeah. you were saying that you you still had a firm faith, but you hadn't, um, you weren't doubting, you were just hearing different people's views. Yeah, and, and by the way, I'm co-president of FFRF with my wife, Annie Laurie, so we're co-directors. Okay. So w- what happened was I didn't throw away Adam and Eve. I didn't go, oh, wow, how could I have been so stupid? To be, yeah, you know? yeah. What I did was I had to ask myself, should that difference of opinion keep me from fellowshipping with these other Christians who have an honest disagreement with me, right? Mm-hmm. And originally I would have said, yes, that should keep me, you know, rigid. I mean, within, within fundamentalist thinking, yeah. it's, Jesus said you should be cold or hot because if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. It was, yeah. It's a binary brain kind of thing. It's yes or no, right or wrong, good or evil, right? Yeah. Black and white. Yeah. And so I had to allow myself to say, wait a minute, maybe I can live with some gray. Maybe I can still fellowship with these Christians, even though they disagree with me and I think they're wrong. Is that such a big deal that would stop us from becoming brothers and sisters and fellowshipping yeah. in Christ? Do, am I going to be the know-it-all preacher who's going to come down and lecture them? You have that stupid view. You need yeah. to correct your view. Or should they do that to me? Yeah. Is that how we get along? So that was a very early move for me, not toward atheism, but toward more liberalizing and acceptance of the fact that we do have a world that's more gray than black and white. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I agree with you there. I mean, I think... You know, th- we have what are called essential doctrines in theology where you're kind of like, hey, these are the kind of the things that you really need to believe. But then there are other things that aren't. So, you know, uh, I, I said in my in a Bible Sunday school class, uh, believing in the virgin birth uh, is not necessary for salvation. Now, I believe that the virgin birth happened. And I believe that in order for a person to be saved uh, theologically, what the Bible teaches is that the virgin birth, birth was necessary. But did the thief on the cross have to believe in the virgin birth before he could go to heaven? I don't, I don't think that's the case. But, uh, but you came to the point where you were okay with these disagreements and that you could get along with them. So what happened after that? Well, so then my mind kind of opened. It was kind of like realizing, oh, maybe I'm not such the know-it-all that I thought I was, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Who, who am I after millennia of theological disagreement? Who am I to stand up and say, I'm the guy who's got it all figured out, sure. right? And all these others just shut up because I've got the truth. Yeah. You see that within religion. Oh, absolutely. You see that in all religions. Well, yeah. you see it even within atheism too. I mean, I've had I've had been in discussions with people who are almost religiously dogmatic when it comes to atheism. I know yeah. I know you aren't, but I, I've been with people who are, who are basically you're an idiot if you believe in God. Yeah. Um, and so it almost seems to be a human nature problem. You see that same bell curve of distribution in any group, political or religious or whatever. You see people on one side or the other, mm-hmm. some more tolerant than others. And sure. We have it in our organization as well, and you certainly have it within Christianity. You yeah. have that. You have the gentle, kind, loving Christians, and then you have the pain-in-the-butt Christians who are out there. Out, you know what I mean? Yeah. You see both of them, right? Yeah. You have the good ones, and you have the bad apples. And so uh, what happened with me, and I can't tell the whole story on this short show, sure. uh, and you can read it in my book, Godless, that tells the story. That started a process of migration that was gradual, and most of which happened within Christianity. Because most of the scholarship and most of the work that discredits Christianity, because I've come to the conclusion Christianity is false. It's okay. not reliable. It's not true. Sure. Most of the work that's, that's been done has been done by other Christians. It's not like a bunch of atheists outside have discredited. You, you look at the scholars within the, the Christian uh, institutions. So reading and studying, and I gradually migrated across the spectrum over four or five years while I was still preaching and still expecting the end of the world and still expecting Jesus to come and redeem us and save us, that some of these things that I thought were absolute truth actually 
were questionable. It wasn't like I had this serious doubt in my mind, but I had an intellectual question about, yeah, wait a minute, you know, and uh, there are, are well-meaning Christians who fall on both sides of those issues. Mm. They're good people. They yeah. go to church. They have good families. They're loving. They're charitable. They pray. And yet they differ with each other on these issues. And so it's an inter- interesting intellectual question, isn't it? When you say these issues, what are you, what's uh, particular are you referring to? Well, we're talking uh, uh, to some degree about the reliability of the Bible. And for me, as an evangelical... Like inspiration of, of, yeah. of the text and so forth? Okay. Yeah, inspiration and actually just the truth of it, the historical yeah. truth of it, and the internal consistency and in the, in the contradictions of it and that. And so, and, and there were just disagreements. And then you know there are Christians that are more moderate or liberal who sure. say, yeah, the Bible has a bunch of errors, but that shouldn't stop. A few errors shouldn't stop us from the, the kernel truths. There are other evangelicals who say, no, there's no error at all. There can't be, because if there were one little mistake in the Bible, then that would throw the whole thing into doubt, right? Yeah. Some people can handle that and some can't, right? And Mm -hmm. so I had to ask myself, can I handle that or not? Not not so much what my views are, but that there is a difference within the faith, right? Yeah. Even though Paul said, let there be no divisions among you, you should all think with one mind, Mm -hmm. right? He failed to, to tell us which one of those minds we should follow. And every preacher you talk to is going to tell you they have the mind. They know how to interpret the scriptures correctly. Well, I think a lot of preachers that, uh, will take a humble position and say, this is what I believe. Uh, can I know it for sure? No. But yeah. I understand that, that there are a lot of preachers that would would take the position you're, you're saying. Yeah. They would say, hey, no, well, I do know. Well, I used to be that way. And so it, for me, it was like a humbling. It was yeah. like stepping down from my high platform of telling everybody that I had the absolute truth. Realizing, wait a minute, am I the know-it-all that I thought I was? Yeah. Am I really that certain when two different people who are equally committed to the same book, to the same God, they come down on opposite sides? What's going on here? Well, we, we rack it up to interpretation or to character or personality, and both sides think there's something wrong with the other, right? So what happened in my mind is over four or five years, I gradually migrated from being such an extreme conservative type to more of a moderate Christian. Yeah. My sermons had less hell in them and more love. You know what I mean? I started preaching more about, not so much about the afterlife, but how do we live this life? Like you hear on Sunday mornings, you sure. hear a lot of that. You know, eternal life and hell and heaven are important, but we got to live our daily lives and love each other and be a witness to the world, that kind of stuff. So my sermon started shifting. And in my mind, I was maturing. It was like, oh, okay, I don't have to be this high school street preacher anymore out there yelling at people. I can be more of a mature, more subtle, more sophisticated, more understanding type of a believer. Yeah. And as I migrated, I, I started shifting even more to the modern and then even more over toward the... I started reading Paul Tillich and some of these others that I didn't always agree with, right? But who define God, not so much as this personal thing, but as the ground of all being. You know all that theology that yeah. goes into that. Yeah. And so I gradually shifted across and moved across that spectrum where I realized, okay, so the prodigal son's a parable, no big problem. Adam and Eve are probably a metaphor, and that shouldn't be a problem either for the same reasons. What else in the Bible is metaphorical? Maybe God himself is just one huge figure of speech, too. Maybe God himself is Mm -hmm. one of these parables that the human race is telling itself to give some kind of moral meaning to the world. And it doesn't mean this God is actually a real person. The people believed it. The writers believed it, just like the Hindu writers and the Native American writers and the Muslim writers. Just like all these other writers really believed in the actual existence of this being. I finally moved across that spectrum and realized I, I really don't have any intellectual basis for faith at all. Okay. When, when we come back, my guest today is Dan Brown, uh, president of Freedom From Religion Barker. Foundation. I'm, I'm sorry, Dan Brown. <laughs> That's the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. <laughs> Does that ever happen? <laughs> yeah, it's happened before. Okay. When we come back, Dan Barker uh, talking about why he became an atheist. Stay with us. I'm going to challenge him with some questions. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. Imagine restoring your health in a peaceful 
peaceful cabin in the forests of Julian, California. Milan Chessman knows the power of nutrition, detox, cleansing, and fasting. She is a 34-year pioneer, best-selling author, and nutritionist, and personally supervises and cares for you with a servant's heart. See testimonials and solutions for common health problems at a1fastingretreat.com, 619-562-5446. Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's Word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donate2efl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. We want to reach kids in public schools by passing out 5,000 free videos on the scientific accuracy and foresight of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donate2efl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. I'm giving it up. Tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. You can pick up a recording of this show if you're interested in uh, kind of reviewing some of the stuff we talk about. And also, uh, a lot of uh, previous shows I've had have been uh, fantastic. Just had Victor Marks on. Uh, he has the world record fastest gun disarm in the world. Uh, incredible guy. And we actually did a gun disarm in the studio. So you can check that on, out on YouTube if you want to. Uh, really fun interview. And my guest today is Dan Barker. A uh, fantastic guy who um, is president, co-president of the Freedom From Religion Foundation with his wife, who founded it and uh, back in the 70s. And he is an atheist who used to be a Christian minister. And we're just going through his story. And Dan, um, you kind of, you know, finished up the story there, how you how you uh, moved on to atheism from Christianity. And I on your bio online, it says, uh, following five years of reading, Dan gradually outgrew his religious beliefs. If I had limited myself to Christian authors, I'd still be a Christian today. I just lost faith in faith. And you announced your atheism publicly in January 1984. Um, If you want to read his story, he has uh, two books that talk about that, Losing Faith in Faith and Godless. And uh, so my question for you, Dan, is, um, you know, I've had several friends. um, I I had two interesting comments that just kind of stuck with me. I had a friend who grew up as a Christian. He was... um, we were close friends and he ended up becoming a agnostic slash atheist. And he, we had this discussion and his, his uh, atheism or loss of faith coincided with um, a trauma that happened in his life. He, he actually committed a sin and the sin was so heavy that he decided to become atheist. Now, I don't know. He, he, he will tell me it's intellectually that it happened, but I actually, uh, asked him about this. And I said, do you think maybe it's because you feel so guilty about what you've done? And he said, it could be. And, um, I had another guy, an atheist on the radio program. And, and he actually said to me without me prompting him, he said, uh, if Christians were nicer, there would be more, more atheists would be Christians. And I just thought that was interesting because to me, that speaks of an emotional, uh, case for atheism more than an intellectual case. And I'm just curious because you said that Yours was really intellectual. Um, it's almost the argument you're making or, or the argument that's made often is almost that God is um, not good, right? Why does he allow so much suffering in the world and so forth? And you, you wrote a book, uh, God, the most, uh, what was the Unpleasant. The unpleasant character in all of fiction. And so the question becomes, 
is this intellectual or is it emotional decision? And if it's God is unpleasant, is God real? But why wouldn't somebody say God is real, but I just don't like him versus I no longer believe in God. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can separate those two or you can join those two and different people do different things. Mm -hmm. We surveyed our membership. Uh, We have about 26,000 members. And we asked, if you were raised religious, why did you leave, right? Yeah. Most of them put down uh, intellectual. It didn't make sense, you know, for the reasons I'm telling you. Some of them did put down emotional reasons. Some of them put down political reasons. Some of them wrote down that they didn't like the way the church is treating women. Uh, and like your friend said, you know, if Christians were nicer, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it, for, it's always a combination of things. And you're absolutely right. It might be true that God really is a big pain in the butt, that he's an arrogant you know, genocidal monster, which is what the Old Testament describes him as, basically. And my new book pretty much lays that out. That still doesn't mean he doesn't exist. He might be a God that we should fear and we should bow down to because he's powerful, which was the God of the Old Testament. Yeah. You should bow down to me because here are the curses and the threats that are going to happen to you, the pestilences and the, the diseases and the genocides. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, you know, kill the fruit of the womb of the pregnant woman. I mean, there's all this horrible stuff. It might be that that God does exist. Uh, and, and you're right, maybe we don't need to like him, but we better very well bow down before this creature or else we're in big trouble. So that's a possibility as well. And there are probably some believers that are like that. Now, is know? that your position? Is that your position that, hey, he, he might exist? Because I've heard atheism described as uh, a higher level of confidence than agnosticism that God doesn't exist. Uh, you know, Michael Shermer said it's more likely that he doesn't exist than that he does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, you can't dismiss 100% the possibility of any God, the Hindu God. Sure. Right? You cannot. Because we can't know anything for sure. Right. So you can say, you as a Christian would say, the, plus, the possibility of the Hindu gods existing is very, 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 very low. It's not zero. Yeah. Right. Although you've committed yourself to one particular God of one particular religion. And Christianity is just one religion among many. Yeah. So we're all open to that. That doesn't mean... Uh, you, you can't round it off. I mean, you, you would round it off and say, yeah, the Hindu gods don't exist. Leprechauns don't exist. Unicorns don't exist. Yes. Even though you can't prove it. Yeah. With 100%. So absolutely, atheism is not a, a knowledge claim. Atheism is not a faith claim. Atheism is simply the absence of a belief in God. Okay. That's all it is. Now, I had a guy tell me once we were in a debate. It was just a small little uh, Sunday school class debate. An atheist uh, friend of mine came and. And during the middle of the debate, he says to me, he says, uh, Kevin, you don't get it. And I said, okay, what don't I get? And he said, because I was given all the scientific reasons why you should believe in God. And he, he goes, uh, he goes, I'm not an atheist because science proves atheism. I'm an atheist, atheist because I want to be an atheist. And for me, that floored me. It was the first time I'd ever heard a perspective like that. And he, he was basically saying, regardless of, you know, what it is, I have a bias towards atheism. Is that your view or do you hold a... a, No, that's not my view. That's not your view. Okay. Just like you shouldn't judge Christianity by any particular Christian, right? Yeah. I mean, there's some by which you would not want to judge Christianity. Atheists are the same way. Yeah. You you can't talk to one atheist and say, oh, that represents atheism. Yeah. Uh, And we're all different in our views and we all give different reasons. But the basic core position of atheism is not that we have a knowledge that there is no God. It's not a... It's not a knowledge claim that, yes, I know. Although informally, just like you would round off your claim about leprechauns, yeah. you would say, okay, there's no leprechauns, even yeah. though you would have to admit, well, I might be wrong. Sure. Uh, most atheists would say, okay, there's no God. But what, what we're basically saying is that we don't have a belief. The burden of proof is not on those of us who it's, don't it's believe. whoever makes the claim. Whoever makes the claim has the burden, and, and the burden has not been met. The burden of proof for a God has not been met. And there are some atheists who would love to be Christians. There are some atheists who say, I would like to believe in God, like I was. Yeah. I reluctantly gave up my faith because I loved my relationship with Jesus and God and the feelings and all that. And I even remember towards the end, my brain was like talking to itself. I was talking to God saying, you know, you probably don't exist. And this is weird that I'm talking to you because my one brain, you know what I mean? It was just like, (laughs) I was like a science experiment in my brain. And because we have all these habits of a lifetime of talking, sure. not only to ourselves, but to our Lord or to whatever our God happens to be, sure. to Allah or Muhammad or whatever. So what's the, what's the strongest intellectual lacking, I guess? I don't, I don't know. Uh, what, what is the strongest intellectual lacking for you? Because for me, I look at it and I go, it's far more probable that God exists than that he doesn't. Simply because I look around at the world and I see these things and life can't come from non-life. You can't make 
anything out of nothing. And I think about these things. And for me, it's almost intuitive, or at least I feel like it's intuitive that God exists. So what, what made you lean in the other direction? What, what is it that's lacking that I'm missing as far as that's concerned? Yeah. Well, life does come from non-life. There's nothing in life that isn't non-life. Every, every single molecule and atom in your body exists out of nature somewhere. It's the organization of it. And there's some big questions about that well, right I mean, now. I mean, but... life from non-life as it pertains to science so far has not, the studies that have been done, you know, the, the most famous is Yuri Miller, haven't been able to get uh, life, particular, what, what we would define as life scientifically, uh, metabolizing, growing, um, responding to stimuli, uh, a, a plant alive, hasn't been able to come from non-life. But, they haven't, they but it, of course, it has come from non-life. That's, how, that's what evolution means. Well, that's, that's what life is. So but any, isn't that an assumption into the past? Isn't that an assumption? It's not an assumption. You just look at it. You can see that we are made of the same molecules that non-life is made of. There's nothing special about life. It's the organization that's special. So that's a different question. But okay. you were asking me, what, what are my reasons? Uh, the lack of evidence. Really, atheism is based on a lack of... Of the, of the proof for this claim that believers are making. Mm. First of all, the absence of, of solid evidence for God, right? Yeah. Uh, we're coming oh, up we're on a break up. here. Just so we're, we're, uh, actually, we're, we're beyond the break. So <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. My guest today is Dan Barker. We're having a great discussion. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? Never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. A lot is riding on your car's safety and performance. Count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard. Honesty, integrity, and quality service. ASC, BBB, and NAPA certified. 760-439-1631. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at expressfixcoffee.com There's got to be more than going back and forth Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host Kevin Conover. Please check out our uh, radio program on YouTube. It's also podcast on iTunes and it's on my website if you want to check it out. My guest today is Dan Barker. He's the president of the Freedom from Religion Foundation. And uh, his most recent book is God, the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Uh, that's uh, uh, based on Richard Dawkins' quote um, that, you know, talking about how he doesn't like God. Uh, FFRF.org is uh, Dan Barker's website. 
and uh, we're having a great discussion. He used to be a minister and is now an atheist, but uh, picking up where we left off, uh, Dan, uh, from last segment, you were saying um, the intellectual reasons why, or, or the lack of evidence uh, of why yeah. you're an atheist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, evidence is one of the lacks. Uh, okay. And I've done 124 public debates now, mostly on this topic. With that is a lot. Various, you know, over 30 years, you know, so it sounds like a lot, but yeah. Um, and so, um, atheism is an ab- based on an absence. There's an absence of evidence for a God. If there really were evidence for a God, think about it. Yeah. If there really were, yeah. by now, somebody should have won the Nobel Prize for pointing that out. Some hitherto unknown force in the cosmos that we can test and validate. Any scientist in the world would love to jump on that, right? And they would, they would prove it. They would replicate it. There would be journal articles about it. That hasn't happened. What we have are stories. We have the book of Genesis. What we have are testimonials. We have people saying that in many, many, many different religions. Most of them are contradictory with each other. So there's no evidence. There's no good evidence. Although I will admit that the scriptures from these different religions are some kind of evidence, right? The story of the resurrection yeah. of Jesus is a kind of an evidence. Yeah, although, it's a more historical evidence or the kind of evidence you would have yeah. in a court of law. And that comes up sometimes in debates, the resurrection yeah. of Jesus, which, by the way, uh, is internally contradictory and could not, and even Christians agree that you can't really reconcile those stories. But the second lack is the lack of a good argument. Mm. And uh, during a lot of these debates, there's about a dozen arguments. There's the first cause, cosmological, the moral argument, the ontological, the design, teleological arguments, and so on. There's all these different arguments sure. that Aquinas and others have tried to raise to say, yeah. we, you can argue for a God without actual evidence, right? They all fail. Like Bertrand Russell said, they all kind of boil down to bad grammar. They're not good arguments. Besides, most Christians don't come to their faith as a result of contemplating the ontological argument. Their faith is a personal choice that they make. The third thing is the lack of agreement among believers. If there really were this all-powerful God who really cared to make his message clear, Mm. you would think there would, as Paul said, there would be no divisions among you. And yet, take any issue of the day, take any moral issue of the day right now that society's struggling with. You name it, a gay marriage or abortion or or the war or doctor-assisted suicide, you name it. Christians who go to church, who pray, who read the Bible, fall on different sides of those issues. There is no agreement among believers on these issues. The third is the lack of a good reply to the problem of evil. The problem of evil, if there is a good God, and as you said earlier, maybe there is a God, but he's, he's not a good God. Maybe he's somebody we should just respect because we fear him, as he, as he told us to do in the Bible. And then uh, finally, there's a lack of a need for a, a God. Uh, the millions, tens of millions of good people in this country live happy, productive, moral, loving, charitable, meaningful lives without that belief. And many of us think that believing God gets in the way. It interferes with sure. good moral judgment. Sure. So if you put all those lacks together, uh, atheism is justifiable. It's not, a, it's not a faith claim or a knowledge claim. It's a justifiable position of saying, hey, I'm not sure about Muhammad. I'm not sure about the Hindu gods. I'm not going to believe in them until those people come up with the goods themselves to convince me. In the meantime, I am lacking theism. I am atheistic. Mm, okay. So, well, that helps me to understand where you're coming from. I, I mean, obviously, <clears throat> I disagree. And, but, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people who look at the evidences and they go the other direction. They go from, they go from uh, atheism to Christianity. You have people like Francis Collins or or uh, Dr. James Tor or Dr. Dr. John Sanford. These are all uh, well-known or, or, and credentialed scientists. C.S. Lewis is probably an example. C.S. Lewis would be an example of people who said, I've reasoned this out, and uh, for me, uh, I'm moving away from my atheism because I don't feel that it's rational or logical. Um, I feel like God does exist. Uh, what would your, be your feeling about those types of people? Well, in many of those stories, not all of them, but yeah. in many of them, they came down to a personal moment. With Collins, it was looking at a frozen waterfall, I think. He had this kind of personal experience. Yeah. Thing that it was like a gestalt thing, like, oh, of course there's a God. So it was a personal experience. It wasn't based on any reasoning or logic or thinking or arguments, right? Yeah. In most of those cases. Yeah. Although in the case of Anthony Flew, who did not become a theist, by the way, he became what you might call maybe a weak a deist, deist or something. something like that, yeah. Uh, for him, it was like the problem of the uh, fine-tuning of the initial constants that said, the, leaves the door open. He didn't say there is a God. The complexity. 
Yeah. So, so, so for a few people, there are those intellectual reasons, but for many of them, yeah. it's a personal thing. Even uh, William Lane Craig will add to his arguments that he has a personal relationship with sure, Jesus, right? Sure. Which is not, which is nothing you can actually use in a debate. You can, yeah. you just say you can't it. argue it against it. Or, so, or yeah. so you're right. Some people do fall that way, but many others don't. So yeah. we have a disagreement. So I was curious about that. I was curious about it. Why? In your mind, what what is the difference between what makes one person go towards atheism and the other person go towards belief in God? If if there's that, you know, Pascal, he, he called Pascal's wager. It was this 50-50 thing. If it's 50-50, you might as well choose God. Yeah. Um, I, I took my uh, a good friend of mine to a debate between, uh, actually it was you and, and um, Dinesh D'Souza at oh, okay. uh, UCSD. You two had a debate oh, a while like back. Oh, like six or eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And we were walking away and I said, so what do you think? What's the percentage that God exists? And uh, he goes, ah, 50-50. Uh-huh. And, and, so, and so if it's 50-50, then what does it come down to? And I guess this, this is, would be a good place to talk about the difference between a Christian's life and, a, and an atheist's life as far as um, if somebody's looking at it and they go, you know, the evidence doesn't actually compel me in either direction. Uh, intellectually, I feel like they could either be true. Uh, which should I choose? Uh, what would you say to them? Well, I would say 50-50 is not enough. And I don't think, 50, Pas- 50 is not enough I don't think Pascal even said okay. it was 50-50. Yeah. He, and, and in Pascal's argument, if you read it, the basic premise of it was the threat of hell. Because if you, if you don't believe in God and you're wrong, you're going to be punished. You're going to yeah. suffer. So basically, Pascal's wager is an argument from intimidation. Turn or burn. You're, you better believe this or else consequences are going to be horrible, right? So I think what you're pointing at is more of an emotional reaction. People come to their faith because they're afraid of the alpha male. They're afraid of the consequences. They're afraid of eternal judgment. They're afraid of where they're going to fit yeah. in. And so because of that fear and that unknowingness, they're going to go with. Well, that's what, that's what Pascal said. But a lot of people would say, hey, uh, it is the love of Christ that draws us to him. You know, Christ said in John three seventeen, I have not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so other people would say. Um, you know what saved me? I've had quite a few guys that were, uh, you know, drug addicts for a long time on the show who ultimately said they were saved by Christ. They gave their life to Christ because of what he did for them. But but the question um, is, on a, if, it, if it's 50-50, let's say theoretically it was 50-50, what would you say to somebody that they would go, I should be an atheist, not a Christian, not a believer in God or the Bible? Um, how, is a, how is an atheist life different than a Christian's life. And if you're listening out there, when we come back, uh, we'll pick up there. Uh, that's kind of a good teaser there, a cliffhanger. And uh, my guest today is Dan Barker. He's the president of the co-president of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, along with his wife. They've been around for a long time, since the 1970s, right? And uh, his most recent book, God, the Most Unpleasant Character in All Fiction. And uh, we're just having a, a even though, though we disagree, we're having a friendly conversation here. We're not, we, we haven't come to blows or anything. So that's a good thing. We can still have a good uh, discussion without uh, hating each other. That's uh, always good, and that's what the Bible teaches, right? So uh, we're going to be right back, and we'll continue the, continue this discussion. For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride. 619-222-0766. Fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing Marine. Across from SeaWorld, 619-222-0766. Imagine restoring your health in a peaceful, quiet cabin in the forest. Every 56 seconds, an American learns they have cancer. Every 67 seconds, someone gets an Alzheimer's diagnosis. Local nutritionist and author Milan Chessman knows the power of nutrition, detox, cleansing, and fasting. Discover A1 Fasting Retreat, nestled in the woods in Julian. See testimonials and solutions for common health problems at A1 Fasting Retreat. Retreat.com 619-562-5446. 
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit conoverhomes.com. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and my website is educateforlife.org. I've got all kinds of classes online. There are online classes you can take that cover all the kinds of issues that you could possibly imagine, talking about what is the meaning of life, how do I know God exists, um, you know, how do I respond to the different arguments, kind of like what we're doing on the radio show today. We talk about creation and evolution. We talk about abortion. We talk about homosexuality. So all these different subjects. And uh, my guest today is Dan Barker. He, he has been uh, doing debates, 124 debates um, with theists and others, uh, Christian theologians, on why he believes God does not exist. So, Dan, you're you're just talking to the average person, and they're trying to puzzle it out. And uh, they say, "Okay, enough of the intellectual reasons. Why should I be an atheist?" Um, well, you can't abandon intellect completely, but logically, why should I be an atheist instead of a Christian? Well, you get to sleep in on Sunday morning. That's a good one right <laughs> oh, there. Oh, man, you're going to sell a lot of people right there. <laughs> That's true. You don't and have to tithe, right? The amount of time and energy you spend on something that is an illusion in your life. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that because we're free individuals, right? But they say, I don't know if it's an illusion or not. I'm but just... still, the amount of time you have and the amount of resources you have to, to spend, and, and, and you get a 10% raise, basically, yeah. by being an atheist. <laughs> Uh, or whatever that amount. Do, do, I've something. heard there's atheist churches now. Do they do they take tithe? Yeah, but they don't like to call themselves churches. But yeah, there's 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 the Sunday Assembly. There's some in here in San Diego. Uh, there's a group. Do you have to give ways. a percent of your income to these guys. No, I don't no? think so. I've okay. I've spoken at a few of them, and it's uh, they're not like playing church. They do it totally different. But okay. it's just that human need for community to sure. get together, to be charitable, to have potlucks, and to sing in a choir, that kind of thing, yeah. which is great, you know. And church provides that opportunity, but. Um, um, what else can they avoid by becoming an atheist instead of a Christian that's going to move them in that direction? Well, the big question is not what it does for me, yeah, but is it true? That's the main question. Is it true? Do you want to spend your life? Do you want to spend your life as a Muslim from birth until death believing in something that turns out not to be true? Some of us can live with that and some of us can't. You but, have to decide for yourself, can I live with believing in something that actually I haven't really examined that well. Because- but aren't we all in that position where ultimately, because we don't know for sure, we could end up living our lives for something that's not true, like uh, God does not exist? Yeah, but atheists aren't living their lives for atheism. It's not like we're, you know what I mean? It's not like it's... I see a, what you're saying, yeah. It's, it's atheism, it's, it's like, I'm, like I'm an A-Muslim, I'm an A-Santa Claus. So you're not, spe- it's not as if you're spending yourself on behalf of atheism. Yeah, and, unless there's a, a few of us are professionals at it, right? So yeah. we do it all, and <laughs> you get we, paid for it. And it's probably a good thing that there's not more outspoken, you know what I mean? It's that there's a few of us that do that. Yeah. Uh, there's probably, what, less than a dozen professional atheists in the whole country, compared to a half a million... Um, clergy in the country. Sure. Right sure. So, um, uh, so we, instead of 
putting our energies into something, which you can do. I mean, it's a free country. You can, you can go to movies. You can go to concerts. You can read books. You can spend your time on entertaining things. You can go to church. You can do these things, right? Yeah. We're free people. Yeah. And if, you, if you're the kind of person who likes that, fine. But a lot of us don't. A lot of us think that's fine for you. But I want to spend my time on, what, on the real world. Mm. This world is the world that we do know exists. Whether there's another world or not, this is the world that matters. So I want to be charitable to, to, to the homeless in Madison, for example, which we are doing. We're helping to build some of these little, little tiny houses for the homeless so they, they have some place to live where it's warm in the, yeah. in the wintertime. And, and we are joined in that effort by believers, too. So it's not just an atheist thing. It's a human thing. Sure. And I think most Christians are good people at heart. They really care about suffering humanity. They care about the real world that we live in. And we atheists do too. And so maybe we have a little extra income, a little extra time to do what really matters in the real world, to focus on this world, making it a better place. I I hear what you're saying. So I was thinking about this also, because, you know, there's always this, this uh, question that comes up. If religion was taken out of society, would society be better or worse? Be better, a lot (laughs) better. But, but I was thinking about this and, uh, you know, feel free to respond to me, but the Salvation Army, for example, you know, they were started back in the 1800s. And I was looking at their numbers in 2011, the, the number that I just happened to look at at the time, they had helped 29 million people that were in poverty and so forth. And you have, you have all these groups like Samaritan's Purse or World Vision that are drilling wells in Africa and doing all this stuff. And of course, they bring, bring along uh, Jesus Christ with them and they teach people about Christ, but they're doing a lot of really good things. And it's, it's uh, I mean, it's everywhere. You have the nuns of Calcutta. Uh, missionaries of charity that Mother Teresa started who, who with no pay, you know, give education and all these th- help lepers and AIDS victims and everything in places like India. How, how can you say that society would be better without, without Christianity specifically? I, I, you know, I, of course, as a Christian, I struggle with Islam, but my argument would be, yeah, the world would be better if religions other than Christianity didn't huh. exist, but, but you would say no religion at all. Well, except... <clears throat> We're not going to dictate that, all right? Yeah. I mean, it would be better off if people spent their time and energy on real things, right? But if you want to waste it on whatever your form of entertainment is, But I mean, fine. Salvation Army is not, not a waste, okay, is but what, what I'm saying. But what the Salvation Army is doing and what uh, World Vision... I used to work for World Vision years ago and when I was in college. Uh, those, are, those are not religious exercises. Those are human charitable exercises. The human species itself is naturally good and altruistic. Oh, that, We that, have an empathetic part of our being, <clears throat> and we're a mix. We can also be violent as well. But by nature, the basic human nature is good. We are not born with original sin. We are not now, born bad and corrupt. Okay, now that's, in, that's interesting because there's a, there's a lot of studies that have been done, like uh, I believe it was the Mil, Milgram experiment and others, that, that the conclusion they came to was that, hey, people tend towards, if they can get away with it, they tend towards evil, not or or things that we would consider morally wrong, not uh, you know good. That we're more selfish than selfless. I disagree. You, you disagree with that? We're more selfless than selfish. I think as a, we're a social species, right? Yeah. And there are there's a bell curve, and there are outliers, and there are problem individuals. There are psychopaths that we sure. have to lock up, right? Sure. And there are people who have trouble with their frontal lobe controlling their impulses, right? And so we have education and we have moral training and all that. Yeah. But basically, the basic atheist and agnostic in this country is the same socialized human being who cares about our neighbor, who cares about others, who cares about education. And we just don't need an excuse to do it. We don't need to say, oh, we're doing it for some religious reason. We're doing it for the real pure reason that humanity deserves respect all by itself. You won't find that in the Bible. The Bible nowhere says that human beings deserve to be treated with fairness and respect. Humans are worms and sinners and damned. Oh, but it says, well, no, no, no. I mean, in Acts, it says that we all come from one father. We all have one blood. Don't Within the church. No, everybody does. Everybody in the whole world. Uh, and the Jews are called a kingdom of priests to all nations. That's why, that's why in the Old Testament, God saves Nineveh. They're not Jewish. They're, they're Assyrians. But in any event, the, the outsiders are, are doomed and damned, right? The outsiders are going to be cast into a lake of not, fire. But not because God doesn't love them. In Ezekiel thirty three eleven, it says, I do not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. I want everybody to turn. Turn from your wicked ways. Why will you die? And, and the word wicked, as you know very yeah. well, being yeah. a Bible scholar, the yeah. word wicked in the Bible has nothing to do with moral behavior. It had to do with obedience and not worshiping some other God. Almost every time you see the word wicked and evil in the Bible, it has to do with worshiping some God other 
than the one alpha oh, god, right? No, no, no. In Amos, it, oh, the whole thing is about how the rich are oppressing the poor. There's a little bit of that, selling, but in oh, general... Well, in, no, it's everywhere. I, would say I just did a, an exhaustive study of the Old Testament, and evil and wicked, almost exclusively, maybe 95%, have to do not with how you treat your fellow human being. They have to do with whether or not you're worshiping the right god. That was, that was the definition of wicked. They're wicked because they bowed before idols that were not me, right? Mm-hmm. So what we atheists and agnostics say is let's tap into that same basic human desire. Aren't we, don't we care about each other? Don't yeah. you love your children? Don't you love your neighbors? Uh, for the pure reason of wanting to help humanity. If you need a crutch, if you need a religion to do it, by all means, do it through your faith. Sure. But there's a whole bunch of us who don't need that. Yeah, yeah. Dan, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. We are out of time. We opened up a can of worms right there at that, that last second. But thank you so much. Uh, can I shake your hand? Oh, sure, of okay. course. We're, <laughs> actually, we are brothers without Christ. So there <laughs> okay. we go. Okay. Uh, all from uh, brothers from the same mother mm-hmm. a, a long time ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we'll see you next week. I hope you have a fantastic Saturday. Thank, thanks for being with us here today. Um, it's been a blessing. Okay. God bless you. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry. We're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay. That was dumb, but for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the school of unshakable faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email kevcon at educateforlife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at educateforlife.com. You will always be much more to me And every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right